Amen. All right. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. And God is greater, as I told one of my brothers in Christ today, who's going to be preaching in a church situation. Uh, the first Sunday in June, I said, you go preach. Christ is greater than coronavirus. And I tell you what, that's a great text, isn't it? Christ is greater than coronavirus. Amen and amen. Thank you, each one, for your prayers and for your contacts. We did mention that we have some new subscribers. We're in a subscription campaign. Please, if you would, send the link for YouTube, Facebook, whatever, to whomever you can, and let's get as many folks uh, subscribed and viewing. Uh, and um, listen, I appreciate also the hard work that goes into this, producing it, all the people who are part of it, and it is a group effort. Thank God for the team. They're doing a great, great job. Thank you for bringing your tithes, sending your tithes, and special offerings. We have met our second special offering goal in under two weeks. Once again, you have responded. Coronavirus, no coronavirus. God's work goes on. Amen. And the, the second need has been met. And those newer pews are going to be transported from Akron, Ohio to Newport, Arkansas. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, we'll let you know about upcoming projects. I believe it's a good thing for God's people to give regularly, to tithe, because that proves that we're honest. It belongs to the Lord. And then over and above the tithe, the regular offerings, whatever faith promise offerings that God has laid on our heart, we need to prove our love by giving. And then as we have special, special uh, uh, opportunities to give, we want to be part of that. I said a long time ago, I've got one main policy when it comes to missions and outreaches. And that policy is, I try to figure out where God is blessing and I run there as fast as I can. I want to be part of it. When God is blessing a missionary, a church planter, a work for God, a group that is serving the Lord, I want to be part of that. Amen. I want to be with the right kind of people. Old Dr. Hancock, now in heaven, used to say, you know, we need to be going the right direction. We need to be going the right direction. And we need to be going the right direction for the right reason. And we need to be going the right direction the right way. And then he would add this, and you need to be going the right direction with the right group of people. And so our fellowship is so very important. I'm glad to be associated with God's people who believe that God is still alive and well, and uh, the miracle of the new birth is the greatest miracle in the universe. It's still happening as people trust Jesus Christ. I believe in the filling of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that we receive that to be silly. But I believe we are filled, we're full, we're directed, we're guided by the Holy Spirit to be more effective in serving the Lord in the capacity to which He has called in us. He's called us to a certain capacity, whatever He has called us to. Amen. Thank you for your regular giving. Thank you for your regular praying. I appreciate that so much. And here we are on May 20th, 2020. Wow. Dr. John R. Rice used to sing a song. And his songs were loaded with doctrine, loaded with meaning. Now, Dr. John Rice was a fair musician, but he was a, a great exhorter, a great evangelist, a great tract writer. And uh, this song is probably not one that uh, you want to sing, you know, your loved one to sleep with. It's entitled, Every Sin Must Have a Reaping. 
All right, can't you just hear Dr. Rice? Old Dr. Rice standing up there singing, Every sin must have a reaping. Every deed to judgment come. For a holy God is righteous. Sinners meet the wrongs they've done. Oh, how fearful are the wages paid for sin whose end is death. But the sin of all who trust Him, Jesus paid with dying breath. Sweet the gift of of life eternal, offered all in Jesus' name. And the uttermost salvation brings forgiveness for sin's shame. How may one obtain salvation, have forgiveness for his sin? Trust in Jesus Christ for pardon. I'm telling you tonight, if you're viewing for the first time or listening to this message for the first time, Jesus Christ pardons sin. Open now your heart to Him. Then the chorus goes like this. Oh, when Jesus died on Calvary, died as sinners ought to die. There He paid my debt and freed me from the judgment day on high. Amen and glory to God. There are lots of folks we're praying for that they'll come to God through Christ, that they'll be saved. How many of you have lost loved ones, friends, and acquaintances? Come on, raise your hand. We're praying tonight for some in the hospital. We're going to be praying for a man who has liver cancer, only has a few more days to live, the doctors say. God can heal him, but we want God to save him if he's not saved. There are many others that have physical and spiritual needs, folks that are moving, people wondering where their next dollar is going to come from. I understand That's a real challenge in these coronavirus times. There are a lot of folks who are out of work, a lot of folks who are needy. Uh, God will supply. I believe His promises are still true. Nothing has been nullified. Nothing has been changed that will count for eternity. Are you listening to me? There's not one thing. There used to be a saying about, about cancer. Everybody thought cancer was the worst thing that could happen. It's still a bad thing. But Cancer cancer can't stop you from going to heaven. Cancer can't stop you from living a victorious Christian life. Cancer can't keep you from love and family and so on and so forth. So all down the line for cancer, we could fill in coronavirus. Same thing. Same thing. I am not minimizing the the problems that exist today. We've got some big problems. But we got a bigger problem solver than we got problems. Can I get an amen? And that's Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And I am a child of the King. Tonight's message is very important. It's from the book of Galatians. We've gotten through the first three chapters Paul wrote uh, to combat the heresy of Galatianism. Now these churches filled with born-again believers who had been led to Christ, properly baptized, properly organized into local churches, why they had been visited by false teachers, by heretics who taught that you had to become a Jew and follow Jewish ritual and keep the law in order to be a Christian. And that's false. That's Galatianism. Adding anything to the simplicity of the gospel in Jesus Christ is heresy. And so Paul is writing about that, and he's giving some wonderful, wonderful uh, truth that we have already shared, and that we want to continue uh, with it tonight. In Galatians chapter 4, And it says in verse number 1, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, this is an illustration, all right, of a person who is in a family. They have a family relationship. They got born into the family, and uh, they are the heir. As long as he is a child, immature, differeth nothing from a servant on a practical level, though he be lord of all. So you uh, you have children that are born to wealth or royalty, but they're still served by those who help raise them 
and they have to learn certain things, and so they're in a, a subservient position during that time. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. So it's up to the Father. God has always had a plan. He's always had a people. He's always had a place. And we are His people in this place. And we're part of His plan, which is revealed in the Word of God. As long as those Jews coming up through the Old Testament dispensation of law, they were looking forward to Jesus Christ. He had not yet come on the scene. But now once He has come, the law which pointed them to Christ has now been fulfilled in Christ. Even so, verse 3, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time, notice the, the article there, the time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son, that's the Holy Spirit, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now that's an Aramaic word that's been transliterated, Abba, Father. Abba would be a way of a little child reaching up, a little needy child hasn't learned to speak plainly yet. Anybody like that that you know? And he says, Abba, Abba, help me, Father. Help me, Daddy. Help me, Daddy. It's a... It's a, it's a Statement made by those who are not yet mature, but they, they know their relationship. Wherever you are in your Christian experience on your Christian journey, the important thing is that you have established that relationship. And now we need to grow. Some folks wait a long time to grow. Some have to be kind of jump-started, kick-started or whatever to get going and growing. And, and some of us plateau at certain points and we don't continue to grow. The ideal situation would be for us to get saved and knowing that we're saved, get into the Word until the Word gets into us and we grow and grow and grow and grow and serve and grow and get blessed and be a blessing. You know what I'm saying. That's ideal. But what happens along the way, we get sidetracked, we get stuck, we end up in the ditch. And uh, what, a, what a terrible thing. Rick Renner tells a story of a fellow that had a goat. He loved that goat. Now, I don't know why anybody would love a goat, but I guess... You'd have to have a goat to understand loving a goat, would you? Okay, we agree on that. Okay, I've never had a goat, so I don't have any particular affection for goats, but this guy had his favorite goat and uh, was awakened in the middle of the night by a phone call from the state police. They said, sir, uh, we've got your goat over here in a ditch. I'm sorry to tell you, your goat has passed. And he was heartbroken, got dressed, put his clothes on over his pajamas, you know, got in his car, drove out there to the location that was described, and sure enough, they shined a light, and there were, there were police cars and flashing lights, and there was this goat down in the ditch. And he looked down the ravine, and he said, oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Goat must have wandered off, and in the dark, wandered over the edge and died at the bottom of this ravine. And then he looked a little closer, and he said, I'm going to go down there. He goes down and he realizes the goat is not dead. The goat is tied up. It was, it was a case, now please don't kick me, of kidnapping. The groans are going up all over YouTube land right now. It really did happen though. The goat, <laughs> the goat was kidnapped. It was tied up. And Rick Renner's friend said, 
he, you know, he started petting the goat. The goat had been through a bad experience, obviously. Someone had stolen the goat, man's favorite goat. So he untied the goat and petted the goat and said, come on, let's go. The goat just lay there, just lay there. Finally, he had to physically pick up the goat, set the goat up on its feet so that the goat would stand up. And the lesson is a very good lesson. That goat was alive, although they didn't realize it was alive until they got down and looked at it closely. That goat, after the ropes were removed, was no longer in bondage but didn't realize it. It was acting like it was still in bondage. Now, are you with me? There are Christians today, may not give a lot of evidence of being super Christians and may not even feel that they are no longer under bondage, but Jesus Christ has paid the price. We have this relationship, and so we cry, Abba, Father, wherefore, here's the conclusion of it, verse number 7, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We're going to talk to you tonight about a very important subject, being a child of the King, but more specifically about the subject of adoption as it is in the Bible. Father, fill me now with the Holy Spirit. Help us to make this clear, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Growing up is very important. I recall getting into junior high, trying out for the football team. I had a problem. In seventh grade, I hadn't yet had whatever growth spurt I was going to have later on. And so the pads were heavier than I was. I mean, it was just, it was, it was kind of a sad situation. But I, I then gained some weight that year, a lot of weight. In fact, that was my biggest growth spurt my first year in junior high. I was able to make the football team and play. I was very pleased with my growth that I had grown up so I could make the team, so that I could make my best showing, so I could do my very best. And though I, I didn't go down in history, and I didn't get my name in the, in the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Uh, nevertheless, I was able to do my best because I had my growth spurt. Are you listening to me? There is a time in our spiritual life when we've got to move forward and grow and get up to par, get up to speed with where we ought to be. God has great things for us. We already belong to Him. We're, we're no longer under the bondage of those beggarly elements of the world, those fundamentals of the world. But now we have something beyond sonship to live up to and to exercise. And beyond sonship, there is something even more important in this passage of Scripture. Beyond sonship, beyond being a child of the King, there is inheritance. Inheritance. We are not just children of God, sons of God in and through Jesus Christ, but we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That is what adoption is all about in the Word of God. Do you remember the story of the parable of the prodigal son? The three lost things, of course, we have in Luke chapter 15. And uh, there's, there's the lost sheep, there are the, there's the lost coin, and there is the lost son, the prodigal son. He decides he wants his inheritance. He says, Dad, give me my inheritance. And he goes off and he lives riotously. And he ends up, now think about this, as a Jewish boy, he ends up in a, a hog pen with hogs that were so unclean that they would not, uh, no Jewish 
person would have anything to do with hogs. They wouldn't raise hogs, wouldn't eat hogs, wouldn't have anything to do with hogs. But he's in the hog pen and he's eating the husks, all the garbage food that's thrown to the, to the, uh, to the hogs. And he's eating that. And he says, you know, my servants, my, my dad's slaves get all, along better than this. I'm going to go and beg him uh, to just let me be one of his servants. And so he heads back. We have that beautiful passage and the father is looking down the lane and he sees his son turn the corner and he runs to him. The only place in the Bible where God runs. God runs to him, falls on his neck, kisses him, says, my son which was dead is alive. Uh, and they take off the filthy, rotten, garbage smelling clothes from the hog pen and put on a new robe. And they kill the fatted calf. And they put a ring on his finger. And T, that's Thomas DeWitt Talmadge, was the great dramatic preacher of the 1800s. He was, uh, he was a pastor in the eastern part of the United States, pastored two churches in New Jersey, Brooklyn, big church in Brooklyn, Philadelphia, ended up in Washington, D.C., right here, buried not far away. And T. DeWitt Talmadge was criticized many times for his dramatics in the pulpit, uh, the, the critics would call him a clown, but he got the point across. People did not go to sleep in his churches. He had big churches. Big churches that otherwise would have been half empty, but because of his preaching, kept their attention. And he preached a message on the ring on the prodigal's finger. Woo! I gotta tell you, that's a great message. The ring on the prodigal's finger. And in that, he said, that was... That was the outward symbol that this wayward son who's come back because of the love of the Father and the provision of the Father and the good things, we came home. Just like Christians who need to come home, get back to where they ought to be. That ring was the symbol that he was accepted. He was not on probation. He was not on trial. They didn't say, he's the one, he's the hog pen son. No, 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 no. Forgiveness erases all of that. Forgiveness takes the scent of the hog pen off you, puts a robe on your back, puts a ring on your finger. You're adopted. You are recognized as the heir. You say, but he spent his inheritance. I don't read anything about that. I don't know how the father... Treated him after that, but since he is, it is a parable and it is a picture of God the Father, I'll tell you this, that Father treated him better than any of us would have treated him. And God will treat you better than anybody's ever treated you before. Come on back! Let him put the ring on your finger! When Talmadge is preaching that message, I'm telling you, they don't have a recording of it, but if they did, it was almost like I could hear his voice ringing through that great, expansive church building, all those people sitting there. Now remember, this is before television. This is, this is before any of the modern electronic age. And they're sitting there, and he's keeping their attention. This is the guy that's dramatic before Billy Sunday came on the scene. He had their attention, and they're listening with rapt attention, and he's talking about it. And he says, he says not long ago, such and so came to town, and... Uh, they were, they were getting all the street orphans. In those days, orphans would be on the streets. No one to claim them. Unless they were fortunate enough to be maybe in a, a, a group setting. 
They had no means of living other than begging and hoping somebody would take good care of them and not abuse them. And so they went out. This, this family found eight orphans and adopted them off the streets. And they were having a clothing drive the next week at the church. And Titewit Talmadge told about this guy who had adopted these eight kids, among them a, a, a little girl. And she comes in and she's carrying a bundle. And it's her old dress, raggedy dress. And her old clothing that she wore on the streets. It was worn, and, and, but it had been cleaned up. And, and she said she had a brand new dress on. And she was accompanied by her adoptive father. And she said, now that I'm well cared for, I'd like to give this to some less fortunate person. Think about that. Think about that. Think about, think about where we came from and what we want to give and do for others. Adoption has uh, an effect on us when we realize all that we have in the Lord and because of the Lord makes us want to do for others just like the Lord has done for us. I'm a child of the King. The heir, as long as he is a child, the Scripture says, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. So here we have the difference between what is going to be realized down the road for this child and what is practical right now. It was practical for God to give the law to help people to find their way to God through Christ. It was practical for the, for the Jewish people in the, the is, nation of Israel to, to have this means. They had codified law. It kept them together in the wilderness. God gave the law through Moses on Mount Sinai. And, and as he came down, he gave them the law. Yes, for centuries they chafed under the difficulties of the law. Nobody could keep it perfectly except the one who would come and would fulfill the law, Jesus Christ. And they realized through the law, though they had to keep the law, to be law-abiding and to be orderly and organized and to do right and to be proper. And there's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments, by the way. But they did it and they realized as they did it that this was impossible to do perfectly. They need somebody else. They needed a substitute. All that time, all that time, they're heirs. And now they're going to become more than just sons. They're going to actually experience the inheritance in and through Jesus Christ. In the Jewish community, they have bar mitzvahs, and bas mitzvahs today for Male children and female children. It is a coming-of-age ceremony. Every culture has some kind of coming-of-age thing, party or recognition or whatever. But for people from a Jewish background, this is very important. Because these children who were already in the family by blood, by birth, are now recognized, they're presented, and they have something more that they are experiencing because they are now not just children. They're not just sons and daughters, but they're much, much more. Adoption means something in addition. And I want to share that truth with you. 
Adoption means they are recognized as being children of that father. They are recognized as being members of that family. And according to my information, they are recognized as being part of that home. Well, we are recognized as having our Heavenly Father. We are recognized as having a part in the family of God. And we know that we belong with the family of God, and for all eternity we have a heavenly home. They say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this is all pictorial. This all represents what we have. We've, we've had a past, but now in the future we have this to look forward to, the blessings of our inheritance, and so much of it is present, and uh, we want to enjoy it, but so many people do not. They fall short of that. They're glad to have gotten a fire escape out of hell. Saw something today that disturbed me. There are those people who say you can't stay saved because the, the old teaching, once saved, always saved, uh, is an abomination. But no, it's not. Even though we may not express it that way, we realize that salvation is of the Lord. Salvation isn't because of what I did to get it or what I do to keep it or what I avoid doing to lose it. No, salvation is a matter of what God has accomplished, what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf, and God has accepted that. We have redemption. We are freed because of what Jesus Christ did. So we have come to the point now where we are more than just sons. We are heirs, heirs of the wonderful things that we have. So there it is. Um, we, like those children, start out, needing some help along the way. But then we grow in grace and praise the Lord that in the fullness of the time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And the fullness of time here is a metaphor for the perfect time. Would you say that God ever makes a mistake as far as the timing is concerned? No. How many of you have ever been uncomfortable or frustrated because you didn't see... You know, what's coming down the road, you just were experiencing what you were in the moment, and it just was not what you planned or what you wanted or how you wanted it or when you wanted it or with whom you wanted it, and it didn't turn out right. Come on, raise your hand. Yes, absolutely. How many times have we thought to ourselves in our flesh, Lord, what are you doing? Why, why are you not doing what I want you to do, when I want you to do it, where I want you to do it, with whom I want it done? And the answer is, we're not God. He is. And we can't see, but He can. And we don't have a clue, but He knows it all, the beginning from the end. Praise the Lord. We have, to, we have to take a deep breath, and we have to step back, and we have to say, Lord, You're in charge. You're God. I'm not going to try to apply for Your job. I'm not going to take that away and be God in this circumstance, this situation. Lord, I know You've promised I belong to you no matter what. I know that you're going to bring us through. And if it's your will to take us home, that's, that's better. I win. But uh, if you don't choose to take us home, you're going to bring us through and you're going to help us. And, and the, the latter end is going to glorify you, whatever it may be, by life or by death. And Lord, I, I accept that. I know that's difficult. Probably easy for the preacher to say difficult for people, for all of us to live. But the truth of the matter is, that there is a fullness of the time 
for each of us. There was a fullness of the time insofar as the Savior of the world is concerned. And Jesus Christ, God sent forth His Son. He's the eternal Son. He's always been the Son. He was pre-incarnate. He was with the Father from the beginning. He is the second person, uh, second member, second person of the Godhead. He is the one who spoke all things into existence by the word of His power. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. Jesus Christ, my Savior, your Savior, is all-powerful. He is God. He came to earth, born of a virgin, God in a body. God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. All the terms that would have been required were met in and through Jesus Christ. For what end? To what purpose? In verse number 5, that He might redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So we have been bought out. Now the terminology to be redeemed, to be redeemed. We sing, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The word redeemed is so picturesque, it actually is comprised of elements that mean, first of all, out of the market. Out of the market. Now the market was a specific place where the abhorrent practice of buying and selling slaves occurred. So out of the slave market. To be redeemed means to be bought out of the slave market of sin. Bought out of the slave market that also caused us to be under these elements. And so we came through having realized our need of a Savior. The law points us to Christ. Praise the Lord. So we are no longer under the law we receive, that we might receive the adoption of sons. The realization, put this down, and the recognition and the open declaration that we are the products of free grace is a huge step in our becoming effective, becoming successful as growing, serving believers here in this world. I am adopted. I didn't get into the family by adoption. I got into the family by new birth. But adoption is the recognition that I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus Christ has coming and will get, I get a part of that. If you are saved by grace through faith, then you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Also say amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. So we are, we are redeemed that we might receive the adoption of sons. Out of slavery, out of servitude, out of bondage, out of the short-sighted tunnel view of religiosity. I'm sick and tired of that. I don't know about their precise salvation, but there are a whole lot of people who claim to be saved that don't have anything else to show for it because they haven't realized that they are, in fact, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. They haven't experienced it. They haven't realized it. They haven't claimed it. They don't declare it. And they don't, they don't have the, the joy of knowing that the debt is paid, it's paid in full, and they can serve God freely. And wherever God leads, He'll provide. Wherever God 
provides and guides and leads us. We're going to experience what God wants us to. He's going to protect us. He's going to take us through. That's a wonderful feeling. We're not here on our own. We're not doing this by our own means. We have the adoption of sons. So we have that position. We have that privilege. Praise the Lord. And so what do we do? Hopefully we pray. When we were immature believers, we would pray about everything. Lord, don't let it hurt. And if it does hurt, make it stop hurting. And there's nothing <laughs> abnormal about that prayer. So I've prayed it. How many of you have prayed that prayer before? Lord, don't let it hurt. And if it starts hurting, make it stop hurting. Right. But there's something much beyond that. Many levels of spiritual development beyond that. And what is that? Lord, let this redound to your glory. Let somebody be drawn to Christ. Reveal your grace. I mean, there are so many more levels, aren't there? Layers of spirituality to be experienced as we let go and allow the Lord to work in and through us. And so when we pray, Abba Father takes on a new dimension. We're always going to be a child. I am, I won't say how old I am, but my mom's 103. I will always be her baby boy. She actually said to me last Saturday, I can't believe my baby boy is going to be in fill in the blank number of years. My baby boy, she said, said to me, can't believe my baby boy is going to be so many years. I said, Mom, believe it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And this relationship I will always have. Now, she doesn't cook anymore, but up until a few years ago, when I would go to visit and I would sit at her table, she would bring the food and she would, she would prepare three times as much food as I could eat. And, and she would come and she'd say, oh, Brad, you've got, to, you've got to help me eat this. You've got to eat this. And, and, and I'm, I'm objecting, you know, because for several reasons. I mean, it's more food than what I'm supposed to be eating. And, but she's my mom, you know. I've got that relationship. I'll always be her baby. She'll always be my mom. And so eventually, the, the, the baking and the pleading on her part went to, oh, let me just give you a scoop of this. And boom, on the plate. There it is. And those of you who don't have your mom anymore or your loved one anymore, you wish it could be there, just put that on your plate. No, 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 no. Put that on your plate. There it is. Because of that, it's, it's part of the relationship. Part of the relationship. There's, there's the hugs, the affection. I don't know what kind of uh, uh, level of affection you have in your family. Growing up, through the growing up years, there, there was love expressed, but, but not in a very overt way. As they got older, it became more and more overt, and there were more hugs. And, uh, and that's true, I believe, of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me? We start out, it's Abba Father, very basic, don't let it hurt, Daddy. If it does start to hurt, please take the hurt away. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's not all that maturity there. There's not the prayer for the glory of God and by God's grace and, and, and all the things that can come from it where God would be glorified. Instead, it has to do, it's more personal, it's more self-directed. There you have it. But as we've grown in grace, the love is more intense, isn't it? Don't you love Him better every day? 
that I may know Him, Paul said, more and more and more, better and better and better and better and better every day. The, the fact that heaven has been obtained for us, the mansion has been bought and paid for, that's a done deal. We're, we're on our way to heaven. We've got our address. You know, we're in the directory already, by grace through faith. But the, the warmth, the closeness, the connection with the Lord is warmer, more loving, more intense all the time. That's, that's the design. That should be our desire as well. Abba, Father, help me, Daddy. The relationship deepens. The love becomes more intense. The fact that we are more than just sons, we are heirs. We've been adopted. We've been legally recognized. We, we enjoy and experience blessings to in turn be a blessing to tell people how good God is. It's one thing to say, you know, He saved me. Well, what has He done for you lately? Well, He kept me. What has He done for you lately? He satisfied me. What has He done for you lately? He provided for me. What has He done for you lately? He, he assured me. I have blessed assurance in my soul. I can go on and on and on. The blessings of God that He bestows upon us, now that we have been saved as we grow in grace, by far outnumber in terms of number, the fact that we've been saved and we're going to heaven. We're saved and going to heaven. That's never going to change. But there's so much more added to it. The love is more intense. The hugs are more frequent. They're warmer and longer. Praise God for that. And that's what we've got as children of God. We're no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. What a wonderful transformation has taken place. I know I'm not what I ought to be, as the song goes, but praise God, I'm not what I was. What I was in the rearview mirror of my Christian experience was somebody that got pulled from the fire. I'm not going to go to hell and burn forevermore, but that's not who I am today. I'm that plus more by the grace of God. I ought to be further along than I am. And one day I will be. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I'm going to be. But thank God I'm not what I was. Amen. And praise the Lord. What a wonderful transformation. We can praise Him today and thank Him that we have been identified with a father, with a family, with an eternal home. And all the blessings from now till then, from now until we get there, as we are used of God, I'm blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, God spoke to my heart in this message. Slip your hand up. Amen. Thank you. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now from your heart to God? Just pray something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. 